What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. Now, when I say early riser, there's not some cutoff where if you wake up after a certain time, you're not considered an early riser anymore. Because to me, an early riser is someone who wakes up earlier than they have to in order to get some form of uninterrupted personal development in the morning. So if you have to wake up at 10 a.m., but you wake up at 9.30 and perform some sort of a morning routine, you are an early riser. Today's special guest is Stephen McGurr. So I met Stephen after joining my local Toastmasters, which is a group whose purpose is to really help you improve your public speaking skills. Stephen and I instantly clicked, and I wanted to bring him on the show because I really think he has some super interesting perspectives that can help a lot of people out. So after experiencing a pretty intense childhood, Steve made the decision to stop living in fear and to start personally developing into the person he wanted to be. In this episode, Steve and I speak about what sparked his anxieties, how he's working on overcoming them, and why personal development is so important in life. If you want to see anything from the show, you can find the show notes at earlyrisersmovement.com slash podcast slash 26. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode. So today's special guest is Stephen McGurr. How are you today, Steve? I'm doing fantastic, Skylar. How are you? I'm awesome. Nice to have you on the show, man. Can you start us off by sharing about yourself? Yeah, my name is Stephen McGurr. I am a supervisor currently with the state of Connecticut in their fleet program. Um, I spent uh, a lot of time these last 10 years uh, working on who I am and trying to figure out what I want in life. I had uh, an issue when I was younger that I saw a documentary on Nostradamus that said the world was going to end right after the year 2000. So I never really had any goals for my life. But now that I've passed the year 2000, and I'm realizing that, you know, a lot of these things that people say could happen pretty much sometimes never do happen. Now I better start moving on figuring out what the heck I want to do with my life. Yeah, that's great, man. Just for a brief background for everyone listening. So recently, I kind of made the decision to get my speaking game up. And I joined Toastmasters, which is a local group that is basically focused on improving your speaking. And we meet every two weeks, and we do a bunch of these different exercises and speech topics to really improve our speaking. And so I met Steve there. And basically instantly had a connection and totally learned a lot about his history and his journey to personal development. Um, so Steve, you are, you said 44, right? Yes. Now I think that's awesome because when I first started this journey and when I wanted to get my speaking game up, I kind of felt as if I was late to the game and seeing your journey and seeing you know, you come in at this point in your life and still being motivated to develop into a better person is super inspiring. So can you kind of speak about how you got pointed in this direction? Yeah, absolutely. It's more or less what has what, what has your grasp as far as a passion in your life. Like I said, I, I didn't really have much direction or anything that I really want to do. And when I had issues in my life and wanted to start um, improving, I realized that I overcame a lot of things that 
most people don't ever come through like ruptured discs um, in my lower back with sciatic pain and not being able to walk or, you know, severe crippling anxiety. I realized that I did something that a lot of people haven't done or don't know that they have the potential to get through. And I just wanted to help anybody that I could and getting to the point now where I'm actually practicing my public speaking skills. That's where I ended up joining uh, Toastmasters. And obviously that's where we met, but to you know, get to that point, it's been a long process of a focus of, I just want to help people. And, you know, over the course of the last five years, this is just another step to that goal of where I can go out and, and start sharing my experiences that are going to make a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah, that is great, man. Um, can we take a step back? And you, you said you watched the documentary on Nostradamus and it really freaked you out. Um, what what happened after that point? Like you're you're nervous about what's going on in the year 2000. You're really not planning what's coming next in your life because you don't think there will be a next part of your life. Um, how did you overcome that and get to the next chapter of starting to improve and becoming your best self? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when to really go back to the beginning, I was only about eight or nine. And when you're that young, you can be really impressionable with the things that you see and hear. And it really can create a belief that's really strong because sometimes you don't have anybody else to tell you that, hey, you know, that's not real or it's just a story. Sometimes you hear things that change the course of your life and the direction. So when I saw that documentary on Nostradamus, it said the world was going to end literally before the age of 10 years old. I knew that I was probably going to die by the time I was between the age of 35 and 40. And I didn't really have anyone saying, you know, you're going to live a long time. Was, that documentary was you know, just a, a story. But this guy had been right before about several other things like Kennedy and Hitler. So why was I not going to believe that that was going to be something that was going to be true in my life? So I started focusing on everything that was bad. I know I also watched the space shuttle Challenger explode on TV, which got me closer to worrying about death. And as I started getting older and graduating high school, there was you know, the desert storm and the desert con conflict. They had all that the issues out in the Middle East. They had Y2K, where they said all the computers were going to crash because they couldn't do the date change. They had 9-11, and all this stuff was building up to the point where my anxieties were so bad, the only place I felt comfortable was in my own room. And it was at that point that I said, I had to do something. Even if my life is, is gonna be cut short soon, I have to at least get out and try to enjoy myself. So from a focus of being young, of thinking that everything's gonna go to hell, I switched it and it said, well, even if everything's gonna go to hell, I at least wanna have a good time. So my focus changed just a little bit to trying to get better. And I started to see improvement in my life as, as soon as I made that switch from, well, what's the point to, I got to do anything to at least be happy. Mm, that's powerful. I think it's, it's really important to realize that your lowest lows can be your greatest teachers. And it's awesome that you came out the other end instead of just crumbling under that pressure. 
Um, but speaking of focus, which is something you mentioned, you sent me a quote that I really, really liked. And it was, I see there is a pattern of deciding something and then getting it. And I would just love if you could elaborate on that. Absolutely. You had Michael Lossier. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, I think it's Lozier. Lozier. And he is the author of the book, The Law of Attraction. And that has everything to do with focus, which is, you know, just another way of saying of what you believe about yourself. And, you know, even though I was really afraid that the world was going to end, I still wanted to live a long life. But my belief was that the world was going to end. There's all this bad stuff. So your focus is going to attract with you, attract to you all the things that you either want or don't want. doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You know, attraction is, doesn't see positive or negative. It just sees similar. So when you have the idea that something bad is going to happen, you're going to find everything in your life that is going to agree with that. Like those things that I said with the space shuttle challenger and you know, all the, de- the, the war conflicts that are going on and, and the issues with uh, computers, you attract to yourself everything that you focus on. So even, even tying that into our beliefs, one of the things that I've done most recently, I'd say within the last six or seven years, was write down every single belief that I had down to the littlest minute detail about interactions with coworkers family members, what I feel uh, I have as potentials in my life, how creative I am, how money is going to affect me. I write down every single belief that I had so that I could take a look at each individual belief and see how my focus has brought to me that which I believe. When you have your beliefs all laid out in front of you, and you focus on them. That's the law of attraction, like what Michael Lassier said. You can't act outside of your beliefs. You can't act outside of your focus. So whatever it is you're going to focus on, that's what you're going to bring to yourself. Now, when you started this switch, when you really made that decision to start enjoying life and not live that life of anxiety, was there a first step that you made that you can remember? Absolutely. When I said, I can't live like this anymore, I can't feel the only place safe is in my room it was an immediate shift to doing whatever I could. And that meant even going to, um, you know, in my thirties, I'm crying to my mother saying, I don't know what's wrong. And I don't like this anymore. And she's, she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what I was going through. I even asked my older brother, he's a psycho uh, child psychologist. And he said, all right, I'm going to you know put you on some medications and you got to go see a, a psychologist. I'm like, Sure. Absolutely. I don't care what I got to do. I got to get, I got to feel, start to feel comfortable in this world. I can't go through on a daily basis with having extreme panic attacks and anxiety attacks about anything that could possibly happen. So that was where my focus started saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better from this, regardless if it's going to see a shrink, if it's going on medication, I was going to do whatever it was that I could to get out of the issues that I was having. And, and when it comes to that, you know, it's, that's a strong mindset. And that's the mindset that a lot of people really need to strive to achieve. Um, and when you get to that point, and you have that mindset of, you know, do whatever it takes, 
there's obviously a lot of sacrifices that come with that. You can't just say that you're going to do whatever it takes and then live life the exact same way. Um, so can we just speak about your perspective on sacrifice? Yeah, absolutely. So even going from that same story, sacrifice, you know, walking around, you know, we're, we're men that we're, we're supposed to be masculine and we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be tough. And here I am broken and living this lie where nobody really knew the, the hell that I was going through on a, on a monthly, weekly, daily basis, hourly basis, never knowing when another panic attack sacrifice. First thing that I sacrificed was ego. So having this, well, I'm a man and I should be able to figure things out. No, I need help. I need help to get through this. So the first thing I sacrificed was how I was perceived by others. He's got it all under control. He's doing pretty good. You know what? No, I'm a mess. I need help. I need, I'm going to do anything I can. And I, I think that's, you know, the initial big sacrifice that I made. Sometimes people say, well, to save face, they're going to lie and say everything's all right. But you know what? No, you, you have to come to terms with it and be honest with yourself and say nothing's all right. And I got to do something about this. I can definitely relate to that. Um, actually, it's it's crazy how we feel this way that we have to be perfect and we have to be able to withstand everything that life throws at us. Um, but taking the time and realizing that it's okay to break and it's okay to have moments of weakness is actually super helpful for your mental health. Um, in, in high school and parts of college, I was fighting with some pretty severe anxiety and it was making me physically sick, physically sick at a lot of points. And, you know, one of the big things that made it worse was being out in public and thinking, I can't let people see me like this. I can't, you know, I have to act strong. I have to act like I'm completely confident and I feel comfortable and just trying to force myself to be that way actually made the, the situation worse. Agreed. Agreed. I've, I've definitely ruined a bunch of relationships because of being angry and just saying, come on, we just, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Let's just get out of here. Well, well, why? We were having such a good time. Yeah. Well, you know what? I just want to go and, and starting to have lies to cover up what you're actually going through. It, it really, it really is hurtful for your, for everything that you are. Yeah, that that creates a relate. I that creates a distance between your relationships too. Absolutely, um, with with your friends and all that. But and it's also super important that you just, you know, you're okay with being the way that you are, and you're not putting on this face of I have to be this way. I have to act and fill this role instead of just becoming vulnerable and being yourself. Absolutely. Now to kind of switch things up a little bit. I would like to speak about Toastmasters because obviously I didn't know you during that stage in your life when you were experiencing anxiety, but when it came to, you know, seeing you up there in front of the room speaking, you obviously have an amazing presence. It appears that you have a great confidence and you're a great speaker. So can you just talk about your journey to getting to that point? Absolutely. That's, you know, going along the lines of personal development, the first step that I had in this journey was saying, all right, I'm going to help somebody, people. I'm going to help others any way I can. So how am I supposed to do that? Well, you have to have, I believe, things that you overcame. 
So I've got the, uh, the uh, ruptured disc story and the sciatic nerve issue in my lower back. Everybody's, a lot of people got lower back issues, especially in my trade as technician. I also had the anxiety issues that I've overcome. And I wanted to sort of share that with somebody. So, you know, with the back issues, I joined the team Beachbody as a health coach. And I realized that I wasn't really good at leading a team of coaches or actually even communicating with others the potential they had and what I wanted to share with them. So I started, my focus started shifting to being a better leader. And that's when I joined the John Maxwell team as one of his coaches, speakers, and teachers. And his material is one of the number one ranked leadership gurus in the world right now. And he has so many great leadership and communication books. And I started getting the knowledge about how to really communicate with people. And I started to see changes in how I supervise the technicians that I work with. And I started to see changes in the relationships around me. So I knew it was on the right way, on the right path. Then it became an issue that I knew I still needed more. My focus was I wanted to be better to share this material. So I knew it had to do with public speaking. And I looked at a Dale Carnegie course, and obviously a John Maxwell team had some speaking uh, courses. But I wanted real practical experience speaking in front of, front of others. And that's when, you know, you get these the life just provides you with what you're looking for in Toastmasters. I don't even remember where I saw Toastmasters, but I was like, that's it. And I showed up at the first meeting and I saw these people getting up and talking in front of others. And I was like, this is the perfect spot for me to practice speaking in front of others because it's what I want to do. If I want to start helping a lot of people or even just a few, I got to be up be able to get in front of a group of people and start sharing what I know in a logical, concise manner that's inspirational. And that's where Toastmasters came in. And that's that's the point that I'm at right now is, is developing my voice to for a purpose, to help others and you know in a in a large group of setting where I can help people uh, a large group of people at once. Definitely. And I respect making that decision. I mean so public speaking is one of the number one fears in the entire world. And it's also an amazing skill to have because if you can get up in front of people or if you can even, you know, speak one-on-one -on -one with a person confidently, that other person will respect you and they'll pay attention to you more because of that confidence. Um, so do you mind sharing a few key public speaking tips, kind of things to help people who don't really know where to begin or who find that they're just always super nervous and they mumble and they stumble on their words and all that when they're out public speaking? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just doing this for, I don't know how many speeches I have under my belt, but it's, it's a lot in this past year. Cause I, I, I jumped in with both feet and joined four clubs. Usually people only see one club in their lifetime and that's enough for them. But I've joined four clubs and gone full out getting as much floor time or FaceTime, as I heard somebody once put it, actually very recently, FaceTime being in front of people. So what I've noticed to be really good at standing up in front of people and sharing information with them, first thing you got to do is 
have something that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about the subject that you're going to be speaking on, it's not even worth trying because you're not going to have the energy level. You're not going to have people paying attention to you. You people are going to be bored. They're going to be turning away. They're they're not going to be interested because let's face it, if you're not interested, why are they going to be interested? So the, the very first thing that I do is I speak about stuff that I'm passionate about. And you've seen that with me where as soon as I start talking, I kind of lose myself and I, I get really amped up and that that energy is palpable. That energy that the speaker puts off has to be palpable to the people that are listening. And if you can't find a passion for something that you want to speak about, it's I wouldn't I would suggest just not not even doing it. Second thing is to practice. You have to know your material inside and out, kind of like you with everything that you're doing with the early rises movement and starting off your morning well and, and getting to your, your sleep. You, you've got so much knowledge in that, that you could start a conversation with anybody at any point and just touch on so, so many different things that you're passionate about. And so you've got to have a really good knowledge. And the, the final thing that I would say would be to practice. You have to practice and see how it's going to come out. I've done a lot of practice in recording videos on my computer, listening to it, playing it back. And you can write down a speech, but until you actually say it and see how it feels when it comes out, it, it could be completely different. So um, you got to be passionate. You got to you got to know your material inside now and you have to practice it before you speak it to anybody. Mm, that's awesome. Would you do me a favor? And uh, so, so a couple weeks ago, or maybe even months ago at this point, Steve gave a speech called Rubber Band Habits. And he actually or you actually got entered and you made it to what was it? Uh, Toastmasters Nationals or something? It was it was a division contest. A division, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was a phenomenal speech. And the message too, I really love. Would you just mind kind of, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you mind you know, given the basics of what rubber band habits are? Yeah, rubber band habits are everything that we do consistently on a daily basis from the time that we get up in the morning until the time that we go to sleep at night. It's how we drive our cars to work. It's how we interact with one another. It's the beliefs that we think about on a daily basis. It's basically everything that we are is our collection of rubber band habits. And I call them rubber band habits because we can't act out of our habits. We are going to attract who we are through the habits that we keep on a daily basis. So if you take a look at your life right now and you've been doing the same thing for the last three months, six months, a year, two years, you've built up some serious habits about who you are and where you're going. And pretty much I could guarantee you that if you've been doing the same thing for the last two years, uh, you're pretty much set in who you are and whatever level of success you have, whatever level of happiness you have, whatever content and quality of your friendships you have, it's pretty much going to be the same for the next two years, five years, 10 years down the road, unless you start tweaking your habits a little bit at a time. So that's, a, that's the basis of rubber band habits. 
Yeah, I totally love that message. And that kind of brings it back to sacrifice too. Like if you really want to change anything in your life, there are going to be things that you have to sacrifice. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I see people get caught up in consistently, and I've noticed this belief, it's a belief leads to the experiences that you have in life, especially law of attraction. I had the belief for a long time that I have as much time to do in my life, whatever it is I want. My days are wide open. These are beliefs that I've had for as long as I can remember. And I also know people that have so much to do. They have so much time on their plate. They can barely get time in to have a moment or two with their loved ones or their spouses or their significant others because they have so much going on and they believe that there's not enough time in the day. They have so much going on. And that's a habit belief that your reality, you will attract things to fill your life. I attract time gaps to where I could do whatever I want. And that's a huge belief, a huge habit that sometimes people do on a daily basis that they don't even know that they're attracting that to themselves. When I tell you that I, I believe I can do whatever I want with as much time, my days are always wide open. And I can do whatever I want. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to have that belief. Definitely, man. That's awesome. So you obviously have all this stuff under your belt. You've done the uh, John Maxwell training. You've done Toastmasters and Beachbody and all these other things. So I got to ask, what is next for you? What's, what, what are you going to do with all this? What's the big plan? Well, the big plan I actually had already started. I kind of put the cart before the horse put the carriage before the horse. You're supposed to put the horse before the carriage, but I started a Facebook page. Um, I, I, I call myself the fit tech and it was all about leadership and fitness. And that is what I would like to share with at dealers and talking to other technicians, because I've, I've seen just the, the, amazing changes I've had in my life with the potential that I have experienced just from changing my focus over the course of my career as a mechanic from when I didn't really see a future for myself. I bought a 1968 Camaro and I ended up wheel hopping it, which is when you're when you dump the clutch on the car and the tires are spinning really fast, they're hopping up and down off of the pavement and that causes a lot of stress. So I said, well, I might as well become a mechanic. So my focus just changed a little bit to become a mechanic. And then I progressed from that to, I might as well learn how to be a mechanic as best I can. So my focus changed to becoming a really good mechanic. And then being in the dealer, it was a very stressful environment. You've got salespeople that are promising the world. You've got supervisors that are dealing with angry customers. You've got angry customers that are unhappy with their cars. And it was a very stressful environment. And I wanted to find some way that I could be a mechanic in a less stressful environment. And that's when the state job came up and then became a state mechanic. And now I see that as a state mechanic, you're going to be in there for the rest of your life because it's, it's a non-stressful environment, but there was still stress with the technicians, you know, dramas and conflicts and, and how they were working with one another. So I wanted to make that 
the best environment I can. I wanted to help people. I want to help the technicians because we're going to be together for the next 20 years. I might as well make it as good as possible. Then I became a supervisor. So there's always this progression where I just became a mechanic. And a lot of people start, we're just saying, you know what, I'm going to become a mechanic. But I progressed from being a mechanic to being a good mechanic, to being a mechanic with a very easy job, to becoming a mechanic that wants to help others. I ended up getting promoted to a supervisor. And I could see this pattern of an ever-changing focus of wanting to be just a little bit better. And I got it every single time. A lot of mechanics start off and say, I'm just a mechanic. This is all I'm ever going to be. I'm just a blue-collar worker. And this is what my life is going to be. And I need to share with them that message that they can always take that next step of being a little bit more, being a little bit more valuable, being worth a little bit more for the dealer that they work with, maybe starting their own business, maybe understanding they could just take a couple more steps with customer interactions and starting to communicate and getting promoted to a service writer position or getting promoted to a service manager position. I see so much wasted talent where all they ever thought was that they were going to be a mechanic. Instead of just being able to focus on, okay, I'm a mechanic. Now I'm going to be the best one there ever is. Now I'm going to find a job where I can do this and be relaxed. Now I'm going to run my own business. So there was that progression that I did that I want to share with others, as well as the fitness aspect. Because as a mechanic, that's one of the reasons why I have a bad back is we bend over in very awkward positions. We lift heavy weights all the time. We twist ourselves up like a pretzel and get into the awkward positions. And we walk around in steel toe boots on concrete all day. And I thought I was fit. I thought I was strong, but I didn't have a solid core. And it allowed my spine to get out of alignment where I started to have the ruptured discs. I see a lot of mechanics that are going through cortisone shots. They're always on back braces. They're always on painkillers. They're going to the chiropractor. They're getting fused discs. When I hurt myself, I said, I'm going to do anything I possibly can. And I saw the exact same progression of making that decision. And I mean, granted, that one had a little bit more potency than just saying, I just want to be a little bit better of a mechanic. This direction actually had, <laughs> I can't live laid up on a couch with sciatic pain. I'm going to do everything I can. And that went from the doctor going to physical therapy. Then I decided, well, I wanted to do better. And I did my own stretches. And then I said I wanted more. That's when I, my sister told me about yoga. And that got me a little bit more progressed into it. That's when I found Team Beachbody and the P90X routine. There's a super, super strong yoga program in the P90X routine that literally changed my life. And I actually just did it this morning as we were talking earlier. I've done that too. Um, I actually did P90X when I was in early high school. So I, I know that was definitely a tough video. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so there's that progression again, where I see a lot of mechanics saying, well, I have a bad back and I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. You can progress. You can personally develop yourself to overcome these things. And these are two big messages that I want to share with other technicians. So I started the Facebook page, Fit Tech, and, you know, I realized I kind of sucked at sharing my message. So that's when I 
decided to do John Maxwell team, the Toastmasters. So I kind of I kind of put the, the content out there beforehand, realized it's not the best, but so I'm kind of working on myself. I'm I'm personally develop who I am, my message, getting everything clear so I can go back out and share that with uh, my uh, the marketplace and, and the people that I want to help. Awesome, man. And I just want to emphasize what you said, because you're you're directing all this towards mechanics. But in general, in life, you know, you can make the decision to just settle for where you are and say, okay, this is what life threw at me. This is the way it is. Or you can really take that step and say, I have the ability to create my own life. And when you do that, that's when life gets a lot better. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. Now, besides the FitTech page, which I can link in the show notes, is there anywhere else that people can find you if they're interested? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can come to a Toastmasters meeting. I'm I'm in a bunch of Toastmasters. I mean, if you're in the Connecticut area, I just became the president of the Cromwell Community Toastmasters, which meets at the Cromwell Town Hall, uh, six thirty p.m. on the first and third Tuesdays. I'm also a member of the Middlesex Community Toastmasters, which is the second and fourth Thursdays at Wesleyan University at 7 p.m. I'm also a member of the Eagles Toastmasters, which is the first and third Mondays at the Wallingford Rec Center, and that starts at 7.15 p.m. I've also become an area director, so I'll be running around and doing that a lot. So you can meet me at those meetings or, you know, yeah, I'm sure you can link my email address. I have no problem answering anybody's questions or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. Perfect. Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up, I have a couple final questions for you. So yeah. the first one is a little segment called my current obsession. And I'm just curious if you have anything that you're currently obsessed with in your life for some weird reason It could be, you know, a song, it could be a person, a place, pretty much anything. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Michael Lossier, it's the law of attraction and even having it work in the smallest ways in my life, trying to make sure that I have my thoughts in the correct uh, attractive pull for each individual aspect of my life. And the one that I've been working on, which I literally have seen improvement on is my commute to work. A lot of people talk about the traffic and congestion in Connecticut. And I have built up to the belief that my commute is so easy. The road is always opening up in front of me. I can cruise and not have any issues. There's no traffic in the times that I want to drive to work or leave work. And literally, I am not kidding you, Skylar. It's amazing that the roads actually do open up for you. It, traffic, traffic was so bad. I said, I'm going to try the law of attraction on actually my commute to work. And I, it's tough. It's tough when you've got reality looking at you right in the, staring at you right in the face to believe something other than what is right in front of you so that you can attract that to you. But if you can work at it with just the smallest, minute details, everything opens up. I've also used it for mentors in my life and business partners. And I think that's where you came into the picture, Skylar, because you're the type of person that I want to hang out with that's, that's doing this stuff and helping people. 
And in the last, you know, three or four months, I've attracted so many others that are in the same places as coaches and, and motivators and inspirators. It's, it's amazing that everything in my life right now is law of attraction. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And I appreciate that. Now, I also have the question of the day, which I kind of realized should now be the question of the week because these are obviously just weekly episodes. Um, but this question is, what are you not very good at? Wow. That's, that's a great question. And I'll tell you why. Because if, if I'm not very good at something, it's because I don't focus on it. I have the belief that I can do and be anything that I want as long as I focus on it. So anything I've ever tried, I've been really good at. Literally, I have that belief in me that I could do whatever I want and I could be really good at it really quickly. And having something that I'm not really good at, it means that it's it's not even in my vision. It's something that I don't even even acknowledge as something that exists because as soon as I focus my attention on it and decide, you know what, I'm going to be good at that, I just do it. Oh, well, maybe, all right, being a salesman. <laughs> I'm not really good at being a salesman, then. I'm I, if, I thought, if I was good at being a salesman, I could just walk out into a dealer and say, hey, this is what I have. This is what I want to offer you. Buy my services. It has to do with belief, I guess. And that's where personal development comes in. It builds your belief in the area that you want to progress in. Exactly, man. And if there was one message that you could leave to everyone listening, what would it be? Your life is nothing but an accumulation of what you focus on, good or bad. So if you want to have a good life, focus on nothing more than what makes you happy. Awesome, man. I love it. Steve McGuire, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, man. I enjoyed this. Thank you, Skyler. This was an awesome, awesome opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're doing great work. Thank you, man. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. As always, feel free to reach out at any point with any comments, any questions, or pretty much anything else that you'd like. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on our website, earlyrisersmovement.com, or hit me up on Instagram, at earlyrisersmovement. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. With that being said, I hope you're one step closer to becoming an early riser and I will talk to you next time. Keep killing it, everyone.